Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Let's get right into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible Word of the living God. Today's message, we're, we're in a brand new, or well, we're not brand new anymore, I guess. We're third week of the remnant is rising. But today's message is called the power of one. The power of one. Judges chapter 7 is where we're going to begin. Part of the uh, story of Gideon, one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Verse 2 of Judges 7. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. Everybody say too many. Too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself. I mean, the Bible says God will not share his glory with anybody. It's his. His alone, his exclusively, not because he's insecure, but because he's God. So he said, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites in their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. That's a human tendency, isn't it? Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned out of 32,000, 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you the same shall go with you. And if whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone, listen, who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth like a dog was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. I preached a message years ago on doggedness, dogged determination. You know, the, the, uh, Caleb is one of the greats of the Old Testament. Caleb's name means dog. It means following. <clears throat> it means forcible. It means strong and bold. And it means dog-like. We need that. Isaiah 28 verse 5 says this, In the day the Lord of hosts will be, in that day the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty, to the remnant of his people, for a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. God is good to his warrior remnant. Amen. Let's pray one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart that we cannot just embrace something today with our minds, but we can take you in and take your word deep into our hearts and souls that you would strengthen us. Let us be a powerful remnant. 
Let us be a Holy Ghost-filled remnant. Let us be a praying and righteous remnant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last week we talked about God's oil reserves. We said, do you have your own oil? Because you can't just get this from somebody else. You can't borrow it. You got to get direct from God for yourself. Relationship with Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. Now we all understand there's strength in numbers. But sometimes that has become a mental excuse for individuals doing nothing. Feeling, well, what good is my 20 bucks? What good is my you know, showing up? What good is, what good is it? It's just, I'm just, it's just me, and we feel so insignificant. And so many times we, we look to that old adage of strength in numbers, and we allow it to kind of steal faith and expectation in what God can do through us as individuals. The New Testament church in the book of Acts was clearly about rapid growth and increase. There were 121 in the upper room. By the end of the 10 days, there were 3,120. By a couple chapters later in the book of Acts, when they brought healing to the man at the gate beautiful and preached openly in the square of the temple in Jerusalem, 5,000 more were added. So within a few weeks, that little group of 12 became 120, became three, between, became like 8,000, almost 10,000 people. The problem is this, that in the church, that can sometimes be a stumbling block. There are seasons when the Lord is looking for a remnant to work through, and he's not, he's not chewing his nails trying to find a crowd. He's looking for an obedient Remnant. Used to be an old saying about the Marines, the few, the proud, the Marines. First Samuel 14, 6 <clears throat> talks about Saul's son Jonathan. And he found himself separated a little bit from his father's troops. And he saw garrison soldiers of the enemy. And he said to his armor bearer, Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Everybody say that with me, by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that's in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. That one king's son, one man with a heart for God, attacked a garrison of soldiers and he and his armor bearer killed 20 men much stronger than themselves because he knew that God is not limited by size or scope. God is just looking for someone to work through. Now, I'm not talking today about having a rebellious, isolationist attitude, an independent spirit, wanting to do everything alone. That's not what I'm talking about. Our, our, I mentioned our granddaughter, Alana, last week. She's three years old. And sometimes they call the three-year-olds, I don't know if you know that, they call them three-nagers. And Alana's favorite thing besides worshiping the Lord is saying, <clears throat> I can do it by myself. 
I can do it myself. I can do it by myself. Let me do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. I can do it by myself. I mean, that's not the nature of God's people. Alana needs Jesus. She does. We all do. <clears throat> it's about having a willing and, in, and obedient heart to respond to the Lord to do your part for the advancement of the kingdom of God. It's never about you selfishly trying to make a name for yourself. That's not what Jonathan was doing. He just said, look, what's in front of me is not limited by the fact that we don't have this big, vast army right here. Let's attack because our God is not limited by if it's just me or you and me. And we have to develop that mentality afresh. Remnant people, and this is my main point for today, remnant people focus on simply obeying the next thing God says to do. Just do the next thing God says to do. His next word. That's what raw faith is. And I'll be honest with you, pondering this in my heart this week. One of the things that I love about now church is that we never sat around even from the beginning, May 1st of 1990, whining about what we couldn't do. Talking about how small we felt in that little lawnmower shop three miles south on 441. We had a guy in the community, by the way, this week. One of our contractors working with our steel construction. And he came to look around and see how he can take some of the steel he's gonna do on our new building, the legacy building, in a few months, and how he can put new matching steel skin on this building and make it look brand new. And he said to our team, I don't know if you realize, he said, I'm building four churches right now. Do you know, he said, what people what churches would give to have 24 acres of land this close to Ocala, right on 441? He said, they're on all these back roads. He said, do you know what they would give to have your land? And I thought of the 150 or so people in 1994 who heard a vision that we just cast a vision and said, hey, what if we buy land instead of renting a facility. And it seemed crazy, it seemed impossible, it seemed ridiculous. In fact, when my father-in-law, who was our administrator at the time, pursued the man who owned this property, he, wasn't, he didn't even have for sale sign on it. He was a friend of my father-in-law's and he said, no, I don't wanna sell it. I need it for pasture land, I need it for my cows. But that 150, we just said, well, what can God do? And somehow through a lot of sacrifice, we used to say blood, sweat, and tears. Jesus' blood, our sweat, the devil's tears. We persevered and bought this land that is valued in millions of dollars, by the way, millions. We bought this land when it was going Right here was going for about $100,000 an acre in 1994. We bought it for less than 10,000 an acre because God was with us. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, give God praise because that's, I give you praise, Lord. It is all the Lord. 
One of our earliest slogans at Spirit Life was impacting the nations. And I think of how brash that kind of sounded for, for us to say in the beginning, we're gonna impact nations. And we just, we just believed it. Uh, the first night we announced the vision of the church, May 1st of 1990 was a Tuesday night in that little lawnmower shop down the road. And as we gathered in there, I said, we're gonna impact the nations. One day we may be out in the nations as much as we're here in Ocala. And I'm telling you, there have been seasons of time where that came to pass. Before we even knew any international pastors or leaders, we declared what God had said. And we started to go to those nations and bring home flags. First, we put them up in the auditorium down the road, but then when we came on this property, we put flagpoles. Some of you may remember those days we had flags of all the nations we had touched at that point. Now, 75 nations we've touched. And now some of our missionary support is in nations we haven't even walked yet. God is doing great things. To him be the glory. We started Impact Bible School in 1993, 94, 93 it was. We started Impact Bible School. We had a vision to train leaders. We ended up training over 250 students from 16 countries between 1993 and 2001. New Generation School, we had dozens and dozens of young people that came to our Christian school that we had, and we had some of the greatest teachers. We had Gail Chalk and Chandra Wiebe that were our main teachers, and they're now both in the public school system, and public school system was glad to steal them from us. But they were impacting young people. They could see the vision. They could see, and now those, many of those young people are adults now, with their own kids, facing their own decisions of serving the Lord or not. We went to Iceland, a little tiny nation, on a kind of a fluke, just a door open for me to go with a friend. And then that friend, I don't know if he's ever been back, I've been back over 30 times to Iceland, the little nation. When I tell people I've been to Iceland 30 times, they say, what are you doing in Iceland? Why is a Floridian going to Iceland? It's because God said, and God opened. In our earliest missions trips to Trinidad and Tobago and Iceland, our drama team had a skit where one girl would come up on stage all by herself and say this, I'm only one person. What difference can I make? Then our team was strategically placed throughout the audience. They would come up one at a time and join in. I'm only one person. What difference can I make? One by one, the whole team left their seats, came onto the platform until it was a loud, unified voice. And everybody was shouting, I'm only one person. What difference can I make? My friends, one person with a passion for God can change the world. In Acts chapter 17, Paul and Silas were threatened with beating, threatened with stoning, threatened not to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a young man named Jason stepped up and invited them to his house. Well, the whole city wound up in a mob uproar, attacking Jason's house. But listen to what they said. The mob screamed, 
These who are turning the world upside down have come here also. A young man named Jason was turning the world upside down by allowing God's people in, inside of his home. Can I tell you, what's really happening is we're turning the world right side up because the devil's got it upside down and backwards. God is moving and it only takes one with a passion. Listen, you could have 10,000 with a casual interest, but give us 500 or 1,000 with a passion. We can change the city. We can change the world. When God met with Gideon, he was a mess. Many of you know the story. In Judges chapter 6, he was all by himself. He was hiding. He was threshing wheat at a wine press. You don't thresh wheat at a wine press. You, you process grapes at a wine press. But he was living in dysfunction. He was doing something. He was rigging up a way to try to get by, but he was a mess, living in all that dysfunction in full survival mode. And then the angel of the Lord shows up and said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. You know, sometimes when God shows up and tells you how he sees you, it'll blow your mind because you don't feel like much. Most of the time, I'll be honest, we don't feel like enough. We have self-doubt, unworthiness. We know ourselves. We know our failures. We know the mess we can make, we know the things that we, the, the weaknesses going on in our lives and in our minds and in our hearts. And so like Gideon, we shrink back and we live in less than our destined potential. But I want you to know you are who God says you are. You have everything he says you have and you can do everything he says you can do. You are God's person. You're God's man. You're God's woman. You're God's child. You're God's young person. You are, you are everything that God wants you to be. But you've got to listen for what God says. Gideon argued with God. He says, if God is with us, there's an angel standing in front of you, doofus. There's an angel right there. If God... If God is with me, he knows he's talking to a supernatural being and he argues with God. I think sometimes we do that in the presence of God ourselves. He says, if God is with us, then why have we been through these hard times? And where are the miracles that our fathers told us about? Where are the miracles we heard about? If you're God, if we have God, if I'm your man, then why has all this gone on? Why have we been through this horrendous season? And the Lord turned toward him and said this, go in this might of yours and I'll deliver Israel with you for I am sending you. <laughs> Brother Summerall, one of our mentors, Lester Summerall, used to say this, when people said, like when Gideon said, why is all this happening? God didn't answer him. God didn't argue with him. Brother Summerall used to say, God never answers stupidity. Gideon said there and argue with God, the presence, the power of God, the angel of the Lord is right there. And God's answer was simply, Go, I'm sending you. Go, I'm sending you. Still Gideon persisted. 
Judges 6 shows in verse 15. So, so Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. So here's what he said. He said what he felt. He said, our family is the least and I'm the least of the family. I am the least of the least. I am unqualified, disqualified. There's no way I can impact lives. There's no way I can change Israel. Do you know who you're talking to? I was just hiding behind a wine press trying to make some wheat for sandwiches. I'm just trying to do something to get by. And the Lord said to him, verse 16, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. One man. Everybody say one man. one man. God has a lot of power in one that will hear his voice and simply act in faith. Surely I'll be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So what does Gideon do? He goes and recruits an army. And even though God said, you're gonna defeat them because I'm working through you, he recruits 32,000 rough warriors as an army and then shows up and says, okay, God, we're ready, to, we're ready for it. This is great. Okay, I feel confident now. By the way, there's a few other series of Gideon's fleece where he turns things around and kept saying, well, God, if you really want me to do this, then do this or do that. If you want me to do this, we'll do the opposite. God kept confirming his word. And God loved him and worked through him anyway. Until this moment, when he presents himself with the 32,000 in our opening text, God said, it's too many. It's too many, Gideon. If, you, if y'all go out and do this, I think God spoke y'all. <clears throat> if y'all go out and do this with 32,000, you're gonna pat yourselves on the back and you're gonna say, you did it. Gideon, that's not what I wanted you to do. Let's thin this herd a little bit. He said, uh, make an announcement. Tell the fearful and doubters to go home. So 10,000 people, 10,000 men, 10,000 warrior soldiers leave immediately because they admit that they're chickens. Buck, 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 chicken. They leave and they go home. Gideon says, okay, now we're really ready, Lord. I, I, I think I can still do it with 22,000. God says, still too many. Too many. Because once again, you're going to take the glory for yourself. Take the rest to the water test. Watch how they drink water. Watch how they refresh themselves in the middle of battle. Watch how they drink in. Keep only the dogs of the bunch. The ones that lap like dogs. That's the ones I want you to take. And exactly 300 were there. Most of you know the battle and the, and the big victory. But the way they drank water revealed how they flowed with rivers of living water, how they float. The Bible said, Jesus said, he said, out of your belly, your belly 
shall flow rivers of living water. And of this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. He said, out of your belly, out of your insides, your innermost being, your womb, the spiritual womb of your heart, you will have rivers flow. Last week we talked about getting filled with the Holy Spirit. But the question today is, do you know how to get refilled? Do you know how to keep refilling your tank through worship, through praise, through honoring his presence? My friend, God loves to take small things and he loves using them to make great progress. God loves to take small things, individuals, people that have had a challenge, people that, have, that, that the world would look at as, well, that's, they can't do anything. Well, they're of no value. Well, what's that guy possibly bring to the table? God loves to work through those that the world just casts aside. God loves to work miracles through small things. Think of David and Goliath. God loves, why, why do we still talk about that? Listen, people that have never heard the Bible know the story of David and Goliath in other nations because it is, has become such a cliche for the underdog, such a cliche for the, the, the individual, the, the little man going up against the big corporation, going up against something, some big beast, and God giving the victory. Isaiah 60 verse 22 says this, a little one shall become a thousand and a small one a strong nation, for I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from the message, verse 27 says this, isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Amen. Every few years, I like to read something from my files. One of, my, one of the things that I bring up, like just, just to make sure every generation gets to hear it. So if you've been here for a while, you've heard it a few times, but this is a uh, letter. It's a, it's a satire of the resumes of the 12 apostles. To Jesus, so it's a form letter. It's a business letter. To Jesus, son of Joseph, Woodcrafters, Carpenter Shop, Nazareth, 25922, from Jordan Management Consultants. Dear Sir, thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you've picked for managerial positions in your organization, Jesus. All of them have now taken our battery of tests and we have not only run the results through our computer, but also arranged personal interviews for each of them with our psychologist and vocational aptitude consultant. The profiles of all the tests are included and you'll wanna study each of them carefully. As part of our service, we make some general comments for your guidance, much as an auditor will include some general statements. This is given as a result of staff consultation, comes with any additional fee. It is a staff opinion that most of your nominees are lacking in background, education, and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you're undertaking. They do not have the team concept. We would recommend that you continue your search for other persons of experience and managerial ability and proven capability. Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given, fits, given to fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. The two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, place personal interest above company loyalty. 
Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would tend to undermine morale. We feel that it's already to tell you that Matthew had been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, definitely have radical leanings, and they both registered a high score on the manic depressive scale. One of the candidates, however, shows great potential. He's a man of ability and resourcefulness, meets people well, has a keen business mind, has contacts in high places. He is highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. We recommend, therefore, that Judas Iscariot be your controller and right-hand man. All the other profiles are self-explanatory. Wish you every success in your new endeavor. Sincerely, Jordan Management Company. It's interesting how the world views the qualifications of those of us in the kingdom of God, isn't it? But here's what I want you to take away from today. You plus God equals an overwhelming majority. You plus God equals an overwhelming majority. And anything God says to do, you can do it. You will do it. Gideon's story should at least encourage all of us that God didn't choose you and me because we're the smartest or the best qualified, but because he created you for such a time as this. The Bible says one shall chase a thousand, but two shall put 10,000 to flight. The synergy of two working together, two individuals around a common mission, vision, and values. Jesus said, I'll be there in the midst of them. Catherine Coleman used to say the Holy Spirit revealed to her in her great healing ministry that he'd asked six men to receive that particular mantle of healing ministry and they all said no. She kept saying, Lord, why are you using me? Holy Spirit, why me? He said, because I've asked six men and they said no. So I'm coming to you. God loves to take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God is just looking for yes people. That's all he's looking for. Somebody who instead of questioning, arguing, whining, murmuring, wallowing in self-pity, God is looking for somebody who just says yes when he says, this is what I want you to do. Read Hebrews chapter 11 sometime. We call it God's Faith Hall of Fame around here. And then the stories of some of the names listed. Some of these were not very good people. Some of those in the Faith Hall of Fame weren't great saints. They were just great faith people that God could use. One person, one couple can make a huge difference. Think about it. Much of the ungodly culture shift in our world today is really spearheaded by tiny little factions, hell-bent on screaming the loudest. A lot of the things we're hearing today that are so out there and argumentative are admittedly very small part of the population, but it's people where the passion, is their passion greater than ours? That's the thing. We have the cause of Christ. They have the cause of anger and the cause of all these things. But one person can make a difference. Atheist Madeline Murray O'Hare in the 1960s single-handedly kicked God out of public schools by just raising a stench, by just screaming the loudest. And the reverberations are still being felt today. Finally this, one of the great people in our generation is a lady that I heard of years ago on our 
first trip to Hong Kong where we smuggled Bibles into China. Had the privilege of doing that twice. And it was life-changing. Pastor Chris was with me one time. Dave Blackman was with me one time. It was really, you remember that, Dave? It was really powerful. It was just, it was just, it was just God showed up for us to smuggle Bibles from Hong Kong into China. But I'd heard at that trip about a woman named Jackie Pullinger, and that name came recently up to me again through Pastor Nikki Gumbel. Um, she wrote a book called Chasing the Dragon that describes her venture as a 21-year-old music college student that was filled with the Holy Spirit, radically saved, and just looking for God to do something with her. As the Lord dealt with her about finding her calling and vision, she got on a, sh a cheap ship, the cheapest she could find, that would stop at the greatest number of countries to go around the world because she didn't know where she was going, where her destination would be. God just said, get on that ship. And when you're supposed to get off and stay, I'll tell you. She prayed to know where to disembark. She arrived in Hong Kong, 1966, as a 21-year-old. And Jackie Pullinger came to a place in that area called the Walled City, still exists today. It was a small, densely populated, lawless area controlled neither by China nor Hong Kong. It was a high-rise slum for drug addicts, gangs, and prostitutes, even in 1966. She wrote, quote, I love this dark place. I hated what was happening in it, but I wanted to be nowhere else. It was almost as if I could already see another city in its place, and that city was ablaze with light. It was my dream. There was no more crying, no more death or pain. The sick were healed, addicts set free, the hungry filled. There were families for orphans, homes for the homeless, and new dignity for those who had lived in shame. I had no idea of how to bring this about. But with visionary zeal, I imagined introducing the walled city people to the one who could change it all, Jesus. Jackie Pullinger, Pullinger has now spent over half a century working with prostitutes, heroin addicts, and gang members. One man said, I remember so well a talk she gave some years ago. She began by saying this, God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. The trouble with so many of us is that we've developed hard hearts and still have soft feet. Jackie is a glowing example of this. Going, going without sleep, food and comfort to serve others. God wants to, us to have soft hearts, hearts of love and compassion. But if we're to make any difference in this world, this will lead to hard feet as we travel along tough paths and face challenges. I wanna challenge you today to soften your heart and harden your feet because God can do anything. Remember, everything good starts with one obedient person. Everything good you see around you, somebody had a thought, somebody had an idea, somebody was inspired by God because the Bible says all good gifts come from above coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Everything good in this world begins with God working through one. Would you be that one? Let's pray together one more time. Father, we ask you today, Holy Spirit, would you come in this place? 
Would you help remove all of our excuses, all of the lies of our inadequacy, all of the challenges that we face in our lives that try to tear us down so much? We love you, Jesus. We need you. Thank you for the power of one who says yes to the one who created us. Father God, would you breathe life into every person hearing the sound of my voice? Would you give an inspiration and a courage into every person who's willing to take that challenging next step toward their destiny? Would you restore marriages? Would you breathe on finances and provide every resource that people need? Would you help couples to fall back in love with you that they can fall back in love with each other? Would you change our hearts and change our minds? Would you help the singles of our church not to feel ashamed of their singleness, but just to be ready and obedient to do the next thing that you say? We ask you to bring them spouses. We ask you to provide them partnerships. But Lord, we ask you to do it in your way and in your time, that we would not try to force your hand, but we would enjoy your provision and trust in your timing. Holy Spirit, breathe on our young people. Give us the courage of Jackie Pullinger, who has changed Hong Kong, which has changed China, which has changed the world. One person at a time, the power of one. If you don't know Jesus, let me tell you the greatest thing you can do, the, the whole entry point to destiny and purpose is to invite Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, to be, not just come in and be part of your life, but to, but to consume your life and show you who he made you to be, who he desires you to be. The Lord is with you, mighty man, mighty woman of valor and courage. If you'll simply ask Jesus to be the king on the throne of your heart, in Jesus' name. Would you take a moment just to kind of think about that right now? If you need prayer, here I am. I want to pray for you. Here I am. Yeah. You can have it all. You can have it all. Here I am. If that's the cry of your heart, would you just lift your hands in that song right there? Let that be the song. The problem sometimes in the church is that we're surrounded by great people. That's awesome. But the problem is we say, well, let them do it, God. 
Well, let that person do it. Why can't you get them? When God simply wants you to say, yes, whatever you say to me to do, I'm your man. I'm your woman. I'm your young person. Yes. Wholeheartedly, yes. I hear you Powerful, Pastor Lindsay. I am available. <laughs> I, I say yes, Lord. I am available. Oh, I hear you call, and I am available. Powerful. God's presence is here. God's presence is here. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.